Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. History of Persia is a Hopful Media podcast production. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Life doesn't come with a user manual, so when life stops working for you, it's pretty normal to feel stuck. Imagine somebody who spent, oh, say, 25 years being really distracted, overwhelmed by clutter, and fluctuating between being really into obscure ancient history and not being able to find the motivation to do the dishes. That person is me, And apparently, if there were a user manual to life, it might have told me that I have ADHD and should talk to my doctor about that. Therapists are about as close to a manual as we can get. Folks who are trained to help you figure out challenging emotions and learn coping skills. 
BetterHelp has connected millions of people with licensed, registered therapists for convenient and secure online therapy. It's convenient and 100% accessible online. No waiting rooms, no traffic, and not even endless googling of therapist near me. You just fill out a questionnaire and get matched with an appropriate therapist. And if it doesn't click, BetterHelp makes it easy to switch providers. Everyone deserves to feel their best, so get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com persia. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash persia. Welcome, everybody, to the History of Persia. This is episode 18, The Tyrant and the Kings. For those that didn't catch my announcement last week, yes, that was an ad that just played. History podcasting is a project that seems to accumulate expenses slowly over time, and I've decided that ads can help balance that out. If you hate ads or you just want to hear more from me, I've also launched a Patreon where you can pledge monthly support to the show and receive some benefits in exchange including an advertisement-free podcast feed and bonus episodes. If you sign up as a patron before September 25th, 2019, I'll also send you a free History of Persia podcast cuneiform sticker. Links to that and the support page of the website will be in the episode description. The support page has all sorts of information about supporting the show, so check that out. Speaking of the website, it's seen another significant change because it's now just historyofpersiapodcast.com. The WordPress part is no longer necessary, but if you have the link saved somewhere, don't worry, you'll just be redirected to the new domain. That, I think, is enough housekeeping, so where were we? The last couple of episodes have been all about the second Persian king of kings, Cambyses, the son of Cyrus, and his conquest of Egypt, with episode 16 telling the story of the conquest in 525 BCE, and episode 17 going through all of his supposed madness and death by surprisingly natural causes in 522. The next episode will continue with that story and the coup of his brother Bardia, but for now, I'm winding the clock back again. This time, the best starting point is actually a little bit further back than the last episode. In this case, to at least 540 BCE, just about the time that Cyrus the Great was transitioning his focus to Babylon. Around the same time, the island of Samos was undergoing a revolt. Samos was not part of the rapidly growing Persian Empire, but it did sit right off their coast. Though the strait that separates the island from mainland Anatolia is less than a mile wide, the little Greek-speaking island had not been conquered by the Persians. Instead, the revolt on Samos was an internal one, in which three brothers, Polycrates, Pentagnostus, and Silason, seized power for themselves. The story, of course, varies depending on the author. Herodotus tells us that the three brothers seized control of the city with only 15 men and their personal guard. The later Roman writer Polyanus suggests that the brothers ambushed their enemies during a religious festival, possibly with the support of another island, the island of Naxos. There is also some evidence that their fathers, Aeakes, may have been the ruler before them. Regardless, 
He was clearly a wealthy aristocrat, and statues and poems from the time bear his name. Before long, though, one of the brothers plotted against his siblings. Polycrates had Pantagnostus murdered and sent Silason into exile, leaving him the sole ruler of Samos. Like the surrounding islands and the cities of the nearby Anatolian coast, the Samians were Greeks, and so Polycrates became the tyrant of Samos when he seized autocratic power. Over time, tyrant has taken a very negative connotation in English. The dictionary definition is actually a cruel and oppressive ruler. That's not what the word means in the world of ancient Greece. Our word tyrant comes from the Greek word tyrannos, which was just the label for anyone who came to have sole power in a Greek city-state without being a formal king. Greek tyrants could be tyrannical in the modern sense, but that was not a requirement for the title. Polycrates wasted no time once he became tyrant. He lived in a changing world and saw an opportunity for his island to change with it. Prior to this time, Greek trade in the region had been dominated by the city of Miletus, which sat on the mainland coast. Things started changing after Miletus was incorporated into the Persian Empire. The Milesians were on a general downward slope in terms of influence, leaving a bit of a power vacuum in the eastern Aegean Sea. Polycrates moved to fill that vacuum. Herodotus tells us that Polycrates assembled a powerful navy, with a thousand archers and a thousand ships, and set to work subjugating all of the surrounding islands and cities. Up to this point, many of the islands in the area had pledged allegiance or affiliation to one of the powerful Ionian cities, and by extension, the Persian Empire who ruled them. However, at this point in the early 530s BCE, the Persians had no navy to enforce that and relied on the Ionians to enforce their own dominance. As a result, when Polycrates started making demands with the greatest navy in the Greek world at his back, many of those islands went over to the Samians. Any islands that didn't submit, and any ships from mainland Greece or Anatolia that didn't have the tyrant's approval, were targets for piracy and raiding. Miletus and Lesbos, on behalf of both themselves and their Persian overlords, mounted a naval defense to try and knock Polycrates back down and reassert their own dominance. They failed spectacularly, and many lesbian sailors were captured and enslaved. One of Polycrates' biggest achievements, and one of his most significant roles in the Greek world, was his conquest, or at least subjugation, of Delos, the sacred island of Apollo and Artemis in Greek mythology and religion. By securing the allegiance of that major shrine, Polycrates took its wealth and its influence in the Aegean world. Control of Delos would have bolstered his claims of ruling the islands and coastal cities through his piracy. Back home on Samos, Polycrates sponsored building and cultural projects. Under his rule, Samos constructed the Heraion, a temple to Hera, the Greek queen of the gods. And in character with his naval efforts, he also expanded the harbor and built a stone causeway that's still in place today. Herodotus associates the tyrant with an underground aqueduct over a thousand meters or three thousand feet long. However, modern archaeology is less certain about that particular project, which may have been constructed before Polycrates took power.
He also continued to sponsor the great lyric poets Anacreon and Ibicus, who had been in his father's court when he was a child. Both wrote several poems flattering their patron, and the Homeric hymn to Apollo is sometimes associated with a festival organized by Polycrates in 522 BCE. In addition to literature, he attracted craftsmen and artists from around the Greek world and patronized many of them at his court, employing them to create symbols of wealth and to organize his many building projects. In his previous appearances on this podcast, Polycrates has been mentioned as the Greek tyrant who forged an alliance with the Egyptian pharaoh Amos II, and it has been suggested that a large part of Samian raiding during these decades was intended to secure both slaves and products for sale in Egyptian markets. Polycrates got money to build his seaborne empire and a land-based ally. The Egyptians got naval support and the benefits of their allies' piracy, as well as some possible support in the conquest of Cyprus. For both the pharaoh and the tyrant, that made a lot of sense. Samos was an up-and-coming regional power whose rise was contingent on the Persians both disrupting Miletus and staying out of the seas. Egypt was a shadow of its former self and had only recently undergone a coup. Neither had the military ability to fend off a direct Persian attack, but together they were able to keep enough pressure on the eastern coastline of the empire to prevent Persia from coming after either of them. Egyptian money also enabled Polycrates to resist outside influences on Samos. There are some theories that Sparta, not yet the most famous military power in Greece, was starting to take on some role in Samian politics before Polycrates came to power. Laconian pottery is especially common in Samian archaeology from this time period, and generations earlier, Samos had provided Sparta with naval support against the cities of Messenia. It may be that Polycrates represents some kind of backlash to that, trying to establish Samos as not just independent, but a regional hegemon in its own right. Unfortunately for Polycrates' ambitions, this situation was not destined to last. As I mentioned back in episode 16, he eventually switched his allegiance from Egypt to Persia. Why exactly is unclear, but it probably had a lot to do with Cambyses constructing the first Persian navy. In fact, it may be that the unchallenged power of Samos was one of Cambyses' prime motivations. By the 520s, Samos had a fleet of over 100 ships outdoing any other city or island's presence in the eastern Mediterranean. Their only plausible rival for naval power up to that point was their ally Egypt, and our sources aren't clear on how large the 6th century Egyptian navy actually was. It must have been large enough to control Cyprus, but it wasn't so large that almost seemed to threaten Polycrates. Once Cambyses had firmly settled Persian control in Phoenicia and Ionia, the dynamic in the Aegean Sea changed permanently. The massive resources of the Persian Empire, behind some of the greatest seafaring cities in the world, created a navy several hundred vessels strong. This dwarfed any other navy at the time. Whether he had to be defeated in a battle first isn't clear, and I'll get to that more momentarily, but Polycrates quickly switched sides to support Cambyses during the invasion of Egypt, and Samian ships may have assisted the Persians in their conquest of Cyprus from the Egyptians. But somewhat infuriatingly, 
We have no information about that campaign and its immediate effects. As far as we can tell, Cyprus just sort of became part of the empire around 525 BCE. Herodotus tells a story that historians put some doubt on. I know, that's shocking. In his version of events, always careful to find the Greeks in Persian stories, Herodotus tells a story where Polycrates sent 40 triremes to assist the Persians with their conquest of Egypt. According to the story, Polycrates crewed the ships with political dissenters who opposed his tyranny, and told Cambyses that he didn't want them back, if you catch his meaning. The thing is, those sailors called the tyrants bluff and turned their ships around, heading back to Samos with their small fleet to launch a revolt. Naturally, historians debate every aspect of the story. Generally, scholars seem to think that the story about crewing a whole fleet with dissenters and sending them away with an ally's army seems kind of implausible. There's also debate about where Polycrates got the money to increase the size of his fleet by almost half, with different camps arguing that it was funded by Samian piracy, Egyptian money received before switching sides, or that the ships were built in Persian shipyards and only crewed by Polycrates' men. Basically, all options are possible, and none particularly makes more sense than all the others. Regardless of any controversy, I routinely wish that I knew more languages. Even right in the middle of the US, I run into Spanish speakers all the time, and my social media always has a little Persian, Arabic, some Dutch, and German. Rosetta Stone does help. It's the most trusted language learning program after all. It's also conveniently available on desktop or on the go as an app and has some really cool features that truly immerse you in the language you're learning. Just the first steps, like learning a new alphabet and some simple phrases, helped open new doors, and Rosetta Stone is a great choice as the trusted expert in this for 30 years and millions of users with 25 languages available to learn. They focus on fast language acquisition, without English translations to help you learn, speak, listen, and think in your new language while building long-term retention. Their true accent speech recognition also gives feedback on pronunciation, which can be really important for languages like Persian, where how you say something is very important. And on top of being available for desktop and mobile, you have the option to download lessons and take them offline. This is also all available at a steal. You can get lifetime membership, all 25 languages, for 50% off. Don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, History of Persia listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. The historians generally don't doubt what came next. Those sailors understandably angry with Polycrates for trying to get them all killed, and mostly being his enemies in the first place, rushed back to Samos and landed on the island before Polycrates' loyalist ships could intercept them. The two Samian factions fought a land battle, and the rebels were repulsed. Now, if there wasn't an outright pro-Sparta element in Samos already, there clearly was now, because those rebels sailed straight to Sparta, and asked the Spartans to aid them in their revolt. 
the Spartans, already possibly trying to influence Samos, and really very tired of Polycrates and his pirates, agreed. They decided to get the gang together too, and Corinth, another Greek city on the receiving end of Samian piracy, joined the invasion. The rebels and their mainland allies were able to land on Samos and besieged the city there, but they were unable to break through the walls, and Polycrates' forces marched out and forced them to retreat away from the city. Even though they were defeated there, the invaders and rebels succeeded in defeating Polycrates' loyalists and mercenaries in some outlying fortifications on the island. But after a stalemate lasting more than a month, the Spartans decided to withdraw, either because Polycrates bribed them to do so, or because they were just tired of the siege. Herodotus isn't clear on which. Either way, the Spartans apparently took the Corinthians with them, and that took the wind out of the rebel cause. The Samian rebels packed up and fled to the wealthy island of Sifnos and tried to get a loan from the local gold mines, presumably to hire some mercenaries. When they were refused, they started raiding and pillaging the island. The Sifnians weren't able to stop them, and were eventually forced to pay them ten times the original amount requested. Realizing that there was some good money in this, the exiled Samians raided some of the other islands in the Aegean before finally conquering part of Crete and settling there for a few years, until around 517 BCE, eventually then a group of Cretans and Aegeans from another Greek island reconquered the land and enslaved the failed rebels. Ultimately, that whole story has very little to do with our overall narrative and just serves to talk about the history around Polycrates. Most of these events coincided with Cambyses' time in Egypt. Hopefully it does introduce some of the names of Greek locations that will become relevant soon, and illustrate the cascading effects of Persian imperialism beyond their own borders. Cambyses' creation of a navy and decision to go after Egypt weakened Polycrates' power, both on his island and the surrounding lands. That led to a civil war on Samos that pulled allies in and mercenaries from the rest of Greek, and sent the rebel Samians on a series of raids and conquests that drew the ire of still other islands and became geopolitical concerns for more Greek cities. It wouldn't be surprising if similar domino effects played out across the Persian borders as a result of either the same or other decisions made by the massive empire. We just happen to be fortunate enough to have the story of Samos recorded in Herodotus, and fortunate enough still that Herodotus has survived the passage of time. The real intersection of Polycrates and the Persian Empire came with the story of his death in 522, coincidentally the same year that Cambyses himself died. They are connected. Well, kind of connected. In the chaos of Bardia usurping Cambyses' claim to the throne, Cambyses dying on his way back to Persia, and Darius usurping Bardia's claim to the throne, many of the satraps began to act more independently. With central authority unclear, some satraps tried to upgrade themselves from governors to kings, while at the same time a series of local revolts were also breaking out. History hasn't left us with a lot of the details, but it seems that Polycrates' death fits into those events. Herodotus tells us that Oroites, satrap of Sparta, plotted to have Polycrates killed. Sparta, with a D, 
is just the Persian name for the territory formerly known as Lydia. Not to be confused with Sparta, the Greek city-state with a T. Naturally, Herodotus boils things down to a personal grudge. He tells the story of Oroites meeting with another satrap, Mitrobates, satrap of Hellespontine Phrygia. That's the region on the northwest coast of Anatolia, along the body of water called the Hellespont in ancient Greece, and the Dardanelles on most modern maps. Mitrobates mocks Oroites with this quote, supplied by Herodotus. You are not to be accounted a man. The island of Samos lies so close to your province, yet you have not added it to the king's dominion. An island so easy to conquer that some native rose against it with fifteen men at arms, and is now lord of it. Some say that Oroites, angered by this taunt, desired to punish the speaker less than destroying the region for the reproach by all means, namely Polycrates. Mitrobates probably didn't say that. It's just common practice for ancient historians to invent dialogue so they can tell their narrative. But it does convey the right sentiment. Oroites is weak because he failed to conquer a little island just off his own coastline. The thing is, this is the first and last time that we hear about Oroites having previously tried to conquer Samos. One way to look at this is just that Herodotus, by way of Mitrobates, is commenting on how strange it is that this little island that almost touches the mainland has managed to hold out for so long. The other way to look at it is that Oroites actually did lead a military campaign against Samos at one point. If that did happen, it is probably the event that led Polycrates to betray his Egyptian alliance, but obviously the terms of whatever agreement existed between Polycrates and the Persians left Samos mostly independent, which could have been understandably frustrating if Oroites had been leading the effort to conquer the island. Herodotus makes the dispute personal, but it doesn't take much creativity to look at it from a geopolitical angle. The king is dead, his brother is on the throne, but got there as a usurper, local rebellions are springing up all over, and there still seems to be a sizable Cambyses loyalist army milling around somewhere between Syria and Persia. We don't know exactly what Oroites' politics were as a satrap in all this. There must have been a Cambyses and Bardia loyalist camp, or maybe a Taspid versus a Caimanid faction after Darius took power, and there were also satraps just trying to break away and form their own kingdoms. It's hard to tell because Darius retroactively labeled everyone who wasn't on his side a traitor. For what it's worth, it seemed that Aroites was probably acting independently. So, this satrap, now the de facto petty king of Sparta, is trying to consolidate power, but he has this irritating Greek tyrant and his pirate navy off the coast. Polycrates got in line when there was a huge Persian navy under Cambyses' command to threaten him, but now he might be more of a threat as the empire fractured. Instead of letting that develop, Oroites seems to have planned to neutralize Samos by killing their tyrant even if he couldn't conquer it outright. Oroites sent a message to Polycrates, claiming that he needed to flee his satrapy and would bring his immense wealth with him to Samos if Polycrates could give him a place. Polycrates sent a servant to investigate that offer, and according to Herodotus, 
Aroites filled chests with rocks and then put a layer of gold coins on top to deceive the Samians sent to investigate. When Polycrates heard about all of these chests of gold, he sailed to the mainland, to the city of Magnesia, to meet Aroites. Herodotus says that his daughter begged Polycrates not to go, because she'd had a vision of her father, quote, washed by Zeus and anointed by Helios. Ignoring that strangely pleasant-sounding warning, the tyrant sailed for Magnesia, and when he arrived, Oroites' men seized him and his companions, had Polycrates killed, and the rest were enslaved. Polycrates' dead body was crucified and put on display, and so when it rained, he was washed by Zeus, the god of storms, and on a clear day he was anointed by Helios, the sun god, just as his daughter predicted. Samos wasn't captured there and then, but went into an interregnum and some chaos until sometime during Darius's reign, when he installed Polycrates' nephew as the new tyrant and local governor on behalf of Persia. Herodotus actually continues the narrative of Aroites into the chaos of 522. The story returns to Aroites' relationship with Mitrobates, the satrap of the territory on his northern border. All the historian tells us is that Aroites killed Mitrobates and his son, but the general conclusion of historians is that Aroites annexed Hellespontine Phrygia into his petty kingdom at Sparta. When Darius called on the western satraps like Aroites to send troops and aid him with the rebellions in the east, Aroites refused, and for about two years, the satrap got to act like a king in his own little territory. However, the way Herodotus portrays it, Oroites doesn't seem to have shared this information with his men. Particularly, the Persians under his command seem to have thought their satrap was acting under orders. Once Darius settled the situation in the east, he sent an envoy named Bagaios to the satrapal court in Sardis. Bagaios staged a coup against his host, informing the Persians that they were no longer to serve Oroites by order of the king, and that they should, in fact, assassinate him on the spot, which the palace guards promptly did, handing control of the territory over to Bagaios and, by extension, the newly minted King Darius. We will see much more of the chaos of the late 520s BCE and the so-called Liar Kings in upcoming episodes, but for now, let's look back at the stories from today. The story of Polycrates, aside from just being an interesting bit of history preserved by Herodotus, showcases Persian power beyond their borders. As the empire coalesced in the generation after Cyrus the Great, they began to affect the internal and external policy of their neighbors. They had to. There's just no way for a single country of that size, in control of so many resources, to not become a priority for everyone around them. And when the kingdom that powerful is willing to issue and act on threats, they are able to get what they want. But at this early stage, the Persians only seem to have been doing this with their immediate neighbors. So places like Samos get caught between the immense gravity of the Persian Empire and whatever pre-existing politics were already playing out in the regions further afield. In this case it was Greece, but it's easy to imagine similar dynamics with the cultures across the empire's other borders. The further stories of Aroites shed light on the stories and politics not explicitly shared by Herodotus, 
like a possible war between Aroites and Samos. The story of Mitrobates also shows that Cyrus and Cambyses had started to divide up the territory of Lydia into multiple provinces. This shows that central organization, as opposed to forced tribute on pre-existing kingdoms, was developing before Darius took power, even though he usually gets a lot of the credit for that. There aren't a lot of little stories like this preserved about the empire beyond the role of the kings of kings, but these stories can be very useful to understanding the overall politics around Persia when they do come up. For now, though, I think it's time to call it a day. In two weeks, the story of kings will resume for the reign of King Bardia, short and ugly as it may have been. In the meantime, check out the Patreon page and the support page over at historyofpersiapodcast.com and see all of the different ways how you can support the show. The website is also great for all sorts of other information, like links to places where you can listen to the podcast, additional information about the show, maps, and a family tree of the Persian royal line. Of course, Patreon isn't the only way to support the show. As I've been saying, and as I'll keep saying, the best thing you can do is to spread the word. Share this show with your friends, either in person or on social media, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. You can find me as... History of Persia podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at History of Persia on Twitter. And finally, just absolutely massive thanks to everyone who has supported the Patreon so far. I am beyond words for how grateful I am for what you are doing for me. Thank you so much. Until next time, thank you for listening to The History of Persia. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.